0: Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent. In this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show we talk about the new campaign settings of Ravnica and Eberron for 5th edition. And in our home games Lucian finalizes his Adventure League character and I change the races of my players. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host Sir Lucian over at Sir Lucian Gaming uh, mm-hmm. with a big strong arm this morning. And, uh, boy, it, lots of lots of stuff to talk about today. Um, so welcome to our show. Thank you guys so much. Um, if you're listening to this on podcast or watching us on YouTube, we actually host this live every Saturday at... Um, 9am pacific on twitch and twitch tv slash sir lucien l s-i-r-l-u-c-i-e-n so feel free to come out and watch us live it's a lot of fun um we got excellent people in our chat today um and we're all excited for ravnica yeah it's gonna be really cool so let's just dive right in i guess that makes the most sense wow so much what's going on in the world of D&D, lucien
1: Yeah. Strap in everybody. I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen it. The Twitterverse exploded. It all kind of started right after our show. It was the next day, which I think this is how wizard of the coast is punishing our show at the moment for being so good is that they're only releasing their news right after we've done our show so that we have to wait a whole week before we can talk about it. But Twitter kind of exploded. And Jordan sent me a little screenshot that Amazon had dropped a book cover and everybody was like, Hey, it looks like they had made the announcement. And then Monday they turned around and they made the two announcements, which blew everybody away because yeah. everybody saw this, everybody bought into it. And then there was a conspiracy thing. Like, no, that's not a real image. That's just a fake image. Maybe they're just playing around. Which and is weird. Cause sudden- like
0: Amazon is not in the habit of being like, let's like release a fake product. Like that just yeah. doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: I still never saw anything that mentioned Was that leak bad or good? Did they expect it or did they not expect it? And did they truly announce Ravnica a little bit earlier than they thought? I was wondering conspiracy theory here were they going to announce um, Eberron for sure? Because they released it on um, DM's Guild that uh, Monday on Monday, so you could play it. But I wonder if they just all of a sudden embraced the leak and said, you know what, let's just announce Ravnica too, because they didn't tell us about two announcements for campaigns. They told us about one, but either way, uh, the D and D community is super lucky because their wizards of the coast is throwing even more content at us, letting us know more about their plans. I mean, not only it's crazy that they're doing it because that's almost like overshadowing water deep heist that's coming out. And the second book, which is the mad mage book, right? Which I always forget the name at the moment because that's the second <coughs> one that's coming out. Huge adventure line going from one to five in the first one. And then, um, 1 to 20 for the second book. 5 Huge to 20, book. yeah. Yeah, Mega Dungeon, Underwater Deep, one of the biggest towns, one of the most known about towns in, in Forgotten Realms. And then they're going to give us this next thing. So it sounds like the DM's Guild adepts have been hard at work. These are the people that uh, Wizards of the Coast trust to write content for uh, more of their product. They It's their outlet to let people write things for Dungeons & Dragons, although not being necessarily employees of Dungeons & Dragons. So you can go over to DM's Guild and find a lot of stuff that's D&D based um, on the official rules. And they can have like stock photos and stock artwork there for them to use and layout stuff. And they can make it all really nice and consistent. There's a lot of these adepts, they call them, that are creating this content. And they threw together Eberron, right? So that's a huge thing. If they just made this announcement about Eberron and that was the only thing they announced, that would be huge because there's a huge community that loves Eberron out there so I don't know which one do you want to talk about first I mean do we want to dive into Eberron do we want to dive into Ravnica where do we want to go with this
0: I uh, know let's talk about Ravnica so it's a I know nothing about it and Lucian's been researching a little bit but um it's a Magic the Gathering world or or yeah. cam or a setting I guess and mm-hmm. this clearly is you know uh Forgotten Realms is really popular within the D&D community but they're trying to branch like D and D can be fun outside of the D and D or outside of the forgotten realms. And um, you have homebrew worlds and all kinds of sort of things like that. So it, it makes a lot of sense that they're trying to pull in their probably highest money maker, which is magic, magic, the gathering, I'm assuming. Um, That's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, ass- well, more so than D and I'm sure. So it's like, wh- how can we incorporate these? Let's make a campaign setting for the people that are heavily involved in the world of, uh, Magic the Gathering. So I don't know. Yeah. It just kind of makes a lot of sense. What I'm excited for is there's some new races that are coming out in Ravnica, like I think the Minotaurs in there, which was an Unearthed Arcana that they're they're now putting mm-hmm. officially in there. Um, mm-hmm. And then the background system is getting replaced with this. Uh, is it are they guilds or are they yeah the ten, yeah, the ten guilds? Ten of guilds. Of so you're yeah. kind of like getting a, you're getting a I don't know. It it's really interesting to be able to steal ideas from other stuff and i don't know if i will run a game in ravnica actually i can almost guarantee that i won't because i don't know anything about magic the gathering um as opposed to it's a or just accept that it's a card game and it has worlds and mana and stuff like that but uh, but no it's it's another it's another mechanic just like Waterdeep is going to be a big city mechanic that we can steal from for your home games and i really Mm -hmm. like that idea
1: well, here's the thing that I think is a great fit for them. And I realized that you know, campaign settings, those are the things that polarize the, the, the community a little bit also, because a lot of times uh, a, a campaign will come out and there will be a, a group of people that love it. There'll be a group of people that hate it. Like, they're just like, why is this, this is any dark sun. That's not even D D that's post-apocalypse, you know, or they'll be like, yeah, they've got guns and trains and electricity. You know what? Super high magic. That's not my DD. or, you know, it could be any start a spell jammer. What we're going into space, yeah. spaceships and space whales, you know, so you always have, it's a polarizing moment in our community because for campaigns, because I think campaigns is that true, truly linked to people's taste, right? It's truly linked to the objective. Some people are just going to love that style. They're going to connect with that artwork. They're going to connect with that world and the and imagination. And then others are going to be like, nah, that's not, I, you know, I, I like my grim dark. I like mm-hmm. my swords and sorcery. I like my high fantasy. I like my sci-fi or whatever it might
0: well no and I think about it all the time because like there are there are, I, well so I'm playing in a blades in the dark game right now off and on um it's that's a complicated story but uh, and it's this like Victorian era with weird electricity and ghosts and they've learned how to like harness ghosts for power and things like that and I'm having a lot of fun but that is not a setting that I get passionate about um, although I love the the like uh, I want to say, moderate high fan. no it's high fantasy of the Forgotten Realms. Like I would love to play in or or another setting that I would love to play in is the Middle Earth setting. Um because mm-hmm. I like the the stereotypical kind of fantasy tropes. Like those are fun. So when I think of D&D, I want to play those. Um but you could take D and D and play it in just about any of these other settings. And I think that's why campaign settings kind of blossomed was people were like, you know, I really like, I want to play D and D Mad Max. It's like, well, there you go. Dark sun is for you, you know? Yeah, so.
1: definitely. And I, and I think the, the, where I was going to, I think is it's a cool fit for them because it's a brand. It's a um product that already has, lots of fantastic art mm-hmm. and lots of great story they can pull on and it already could fit within their rules. All it is is just changing their rules at yeah. that point. It's not like building everything from scratch. So it, but it's as close to getting a brand new world as we've gotten so far because all of the stuff that's come before has been done during the seventies and eighties. And then was reiterations of those things. Mm-hmm. Like we were looking for that very brand new um, and even even eberron i think was 11 years old at this point when they were doing a lot of the interviews um with the guy that created it he was talking about back when they were doing the great world campaign hunt it sounded like it was a contest that they yeah. were trying, you, putting on to well, come up with the next yeah i was one. gonna
0: bring that up so they had a contest um for third edition for the next like campaign setting and um i'm, tr- I'm trying to look it up because i wanted to make sure who made i think it's keith baker
1: yeah keith baker okay. yeah
0: yeah and he and and he won the contest, and so it was his world that he created, and they they extrapolated on it and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like, uh, which a lot of people were upset that we haven't seen a campaign setting for um, fifth edition because I don't know if it was a contest, and I can't remember the name of it. But for fourth edition, they did the same thing where they created a campaign setting that was specific for fourth edition. Um, mm-hmm. as as well as bringing Eberron and Dark Sun into fourth edition too. So it was another one of those you could just have your your campaign setting flavors. But I I personally I guess we'll just get into Eberron now. But oh one one more thing about the Ravnica book that I thought was good is that there it's got monsters in it. Some of them are reflavored monsters from the Monster Manual, and some of them are brand new monsters. So. Yeah. If you're again like a dungeon master like me, even if you're not going to play in this setting, it would be great to take that um, and and uh, use it just for monsters, like a li- maybe a little monster manual supplement, you know. Um, and well, my yeah. cat is going the... crazy and spinning chairs behind me. So <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. the comment that
1: I heard um, from Jeremy was that there's even more monsters in the Ravnica book than there is in Mordicanans
0: really he said more or at
1: least the same so not only are you getting the new campaign and everything that you're going to get about the the 10 guilds which um there's gonna be plenty of information coming out in fact keep an eye on this channel because i'm going to be putting out a bunch of information about it um <clears throat> just so you can get into this whole thing but they were saying it was a, it's gonna be a huge monster book along with it being a campaign book and you know they're gonna to have to have some type of class adjustments or new subclasses that would fit. You know, they're going to have to put some races in. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a pretty comprehensive book and it's going to be big. It feels like it's going to be one of their big number of pages books. We'll see what it ends up being towards the end. Um, but just to, just to recap, because we didn't really say much about it in case somehow you haven't heard it's a uh, Ravnica is basically a planet. That's a full city. It's like just one big giant super city um, campaign. And one of the things that I thought was a funny comment they said was 2018's turning out to be the year of the city because we're getting water deep. We're getting yeah. a big deep dive one to 20 deep dive into water deep, a bunch of city stuff that's going to be going on. We're going to get uh, Eberron's coming out and that's focusing. We'll talk about that in a minute on another city. And then Ravnica is a, basically a campaign set in a big urban city with high magic going on and all these factions and gangs of new york can be happening and all this kind of stuff so it could be a really fun setting if you're looking for that because we've been doing a lot of world adventuring a lot of dungeon delving a lot of jungle hunting um, a lot of trips over to barovia but we haven't done a lot of big city stuff in a while right so this is a big thing so that was one of the things i thought was pretty funny that they said about that um neo nur is the uh, oh, that's Eberron, actually, as they yeah. were talking about Neonor. Whereas, to me, the Magic one feels like you said high fantasy. I feel like there's going to be more magic to it. There's going to be a lot more magic item usage. Mm-hmm. Magic's more prevalent. Um, but we're going to get to see lots of factions and lots of new creatures and lots of. They said they weren't going to emphasize the colors of magic and mana, so they're not changing things in that route. Mm-hmm. It's still going to be Dungeons and Dragons, the game. They're going to take that world without the mana mechanics or referencing always blue mana and red mana and all this yeah. stuff, so staying away from that. Um, and it is, I think, a way to try to bring the two communities together. Now, I know you want to talk about Eberron, but I feel like I should bring up every now and then. There is a I don't I don't know how big it is because uh, I'm not in that community, but there is a small percentage, a percentage of toxic community in magic the gathering and i think it stems from all communities have this when you have a competitive element to
0: it i would just say all communities have that like there's always yeah. that person that is yeah, that there's that person that has fun by ruining somebody else's fun. yeah um, yeah so
1: and, so and we have this community right and let's say their community's larger i don't know what the actual number is but let's say they're even double the size of the D D community which may not be true anymore but it used to be that way Um, that means their size of people that are going to try to ruin people's fun is twice the size of ours who we have that will go out and try to ruin people's fun. So now they're going to try to bring these together, and we might have to see how that works. But
0: I wouldn't look into it too much. With kids?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it might not, but I know my nephew was still into it—16, 17-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds. There's a big group of kids that are playing that more than they are going and buying Dungeons and Dragons. Books. Oh yeah. Um, so it might be nice to bring back the demographic of the young, the the kids to come back into Dungeons and Dragons and be wanting to play Dungeons and Dragons. We wanted to play role play games in general, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons yeah. or not, and maybe this is a nice stepping stone. Uh, for bringing that community obviously for a company if me and jordan owned wizards of the coast i'm pretty sure it'd be the kind of decision i would make also because it's just money makes sense money wise yeah i mean you're in the business to pay your employees and make a profit that's just part of it we can't fault them for that nobody's doing this stuff for free at this point Um, we all want to support each other and the only way to do that is to you know buy into their stuff and buy their
0: books no i think it's i think it's smart there's I don't know the lore, but I love lore and I love history. And Magic the Gathering has a lot of it. And they ha- it has a lot of lore that goes behind the card game. Um, so I think it's just a, an, an ideal situation to say, well, we have all of this lore. We have this story. We have these histories. Let's bring it into our game that is about lore, stories, and histories. So Mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's smart and it's going to be a lot of fun, like uh, whether whether it explodes the hobby, which I don't think it'll do. But like, let's say every Magic the Gathering person is like, what is this d and D? I've never heard of? Like, I've been playing Magic my whole life. I think the people that play Magic, there's probably a small faction of them that really get into the lore and history of the game. The rest of them treat it like a card game you know, yeah. just like Hearthstone or any other card game. It's just, it's a way for me to play against my, my friends and collect cards. And I like collecting cards. Um, yep. but I remember when they made those supplements that came out for magic, the gathering D D settings, um, that were free that wizards of the coast came out with. There was a lot of people on Reddit that were just like, actually, like, if you go to this magic, the gathering wiki, like these worlds are a lot bigger than what is presented in this little packet. And, and D and D could be a, really good medium for the stories that you want to tell in a magic The gathering setting so yeah
1: yeah yeah, i agree and the artwork is just oh it's great i love it i love it so much so many styles so creative it's awesome because they're trying to come out with 250 card p every card has a piece of art Mm -hmm. and each time they come out with a pack and like Ravnica itself started with a three-pack so they came out with three editions during that run. Then it went away for a while and it came back with another three set run. And they might be anywhere from each of the sets that might've come out, might've came out with 60 cards or it might've come out with 200 cards or hundred cards, whatever the number was, but it's pretty significant. That's a lot of brand new art. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of new creativity to say this new kind of cool tree creature or this new cool kind of orc or this new cool kind of humanoid thing or whatever. It was just a lot of, they have to go through a lot of creativity and they're going through it quicker I think, than some of the other mediums that we interact with. So I think it's going to be great to have that type of influx of creativity coming in to be able to play around with and just throw in your Hey, don't even run a Ravnica campaign, but just grab a couple of the monsters. Just Mm -hmm. grab a couple of the things that you think look cool artwork-wise and and throw that against your players who've been playing for 20 years. And they're like, we know what the Orcs HP are. We know what their hit dice is. And all that, oh, what the hell did you just drop down? We've never seen this thing in a, ever. You yeah, know?
0: yeah, I know. Perfect, you know. I Put love that doing in. that as a DM, like putting yeah. silly hats on top of your monsters so that your players yeah. don't really realize what they are because- um, yeah, it's lots of fun. And then Eberron, which I love Eberron. Oh, one more thing. Sorry.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. Go ahead. This oh, is yeah. You.
0: I love Eberron a lot. Um, and they. I've always been toying with my YouTube channel to do like Eberron lore and history. And now that we have like this Eberron supplement, um, I might have to do that. And I might have to Either take a slight pause from Forgotten Realms, or just expand upon that and say we're going to do D and D lore in general, and we're going to cover some other things, Um, or maybe try and do two videos a week, which might, or an extra video a month is what somebody pointed out to me. So instead of two videos a week, which I think would burn me out, every like the beginning of the month, here's an extra video on Eberron or something. Um, so I'm toying around with that idea. No promises yet, so don't don't go expecting anything. But uh, it's it's really cool to me because I love magic, and in the world of Eberron, magic is is uh, like science, or it's looked at like science. It's not this like unknowable art that only certain wizards and things like that. Everybody can learn and use magic, and so it's treated like a science. Like, well, how would you how would you use magic to do X, Y, and Z? And that's why we've harnessed. Uh, Like electrical elemental creatures, lightning creatures, and we harness them within trains so that we have this like levitating train that can that can go from point A to point B. Um, Or I want to heat my home, so I I conjure a fire elemental and I enslave it to my home so that I always have a fire going and my home is heated and and things like that. Like it's just kind of taking. What if what if our own world had magic in uh, medieval times and how would that have shaped us growing growing up? Is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so Eberron's really cool. It's got a huge like lore and history. It's got like a creation myth. It's really just a complex setting. And I'm really excited that it's going to be here. Oh, that was my cat. Um, mm-hmm. There are now a lot of people were giving grief, I guess, because the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron that they released, the PDF that they released is more or less, and I hate to use this word, but a playtest.
1: A uh, paid
0: purchased playtest. So you have to spend $20 to get this PDF. Now they're going to upgrade the PDF and they're going to do like this, but it makes me wonder, I can't see them doing this until like, it makes more sense to me that they're going to do this and they're going to, you know, you buy the PDF, we'll update it. You can download it again for free. So you get the, the updated things, but when it's all said and done, they're going to have a a book version of this. Like they're going to come out with a print version. They have to, they, they haven't said yes or no, if they're going to do this, but it they almost, did. they did. Oh, they yeah, did. Yeah.
1: Yep. They, they said, uh, Mike Merle's talked about, they're going to do a POD, which they call the print on, print demand, on demand. Okay. But they're only going to do it once it's gone through the play testing phase. They've gotten a lot of feedback yeah. on how they want to build the book. So this is the way they cushioned it was, this was your chance for a community to have input before the book is printed by using the mechanism of a DMs Guild, or something like a drive-through RPG, where you put out what you have for feedback. It comes back. They, they edit
0: it. They redo mm-hmm. some stuff.
1: They get it all tightened up before they actually Which send it. Which
0: I like. It kind of makes sense that this is this is not just something we threw together. Like, oh, here's Eberron. Like, we want to make it a good quality product, so we're going to mm-hmm. go through these play tests. It's a little weird that they didn't play test it internally like they do their other products. Um, and they, I wonder if well, they,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. They called it the NDA testers. And I, I want to send a message over cause I want to learn how to become an NDA tester for Dungeons and Dragons. Cause I would love to be on whatever team this is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they are going through and testing that stuff. It did go to the NDA testers first, but then, yeah. And I think Jeremy Crawford said, this is an experiment to see if this is a valid way to do more campaign books and more stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think they're it's a little bit of an experiment for them. I think in some ways, and
0: to experiment with how much piracy do we see if we release this as a PDF? Yeah, um, I think that's another one that they're they're experimenting with. So yeah, um, so we'll uh, see. But like, I personally am really I'll, I'm probably going to buy the PDF because I'm really like Eberron and I want to see where it goes and I want to I want to do these videos on Eberron. But like at the same time. I really want a physical book, and so I would like to wait till it's all said and done and get the print-on-demand version, um, mm-hmm. and actually have like a hardcover or not a hardcover, whatever kind of book that they make with print-on-demand. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. So they're saying, That's how I feel. About um, it. <laughs> I like. And
1: books. they did something. They did something like this back in the day when they talked about the D and D Next style of releasing a campaign because before Fifth Edition was coming out, this is they kind of did this with D and D Next. Um, And then they also said that this book is probably about 170 plus pages somewhere around in there um, from Keith Baker. This is supposed to be Keith Baker's ultimate vision of it. So this is like they went back to him and said, "Okay, Keith, we're giving you the reins. We're letting you just run wild. Do what you want to Mm -hmm. show us your ultimate version of this. And that's what this new PDF is. Um, But right now it's not even a full setting of Eberron. It's focused on Charm. So the campaign part is only focused on Sharn and they've only been testing the races. And I don't know if I saw any classes yet. I think Artificer was the one. that, And it's
0: not in there yet, but that's hypothetically, it will be in there is what I was told.
1: But we do know some races. What I I was told, I'm not told anything, guys. (laughs) (laughs) What D&D called us up and told us, uh, but there are some races that are already out and they supported this release also with a ua article this week with races for eberron yeah. so there are yeah you know, i think there's four races out there for eberron so for those of you that have been waiting for warforged and changelings and what's the other two shifter, shifter?
0: and then i can't pronounce the other one because i don't remember it off the top of my head yeah I think there's one some I forget long word it. Yeah. yeah it starts with an a i think
1: yeah, I thought it was a KA something, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I didn't read through it. But right. four new races to take a look at. They're ones that are, I would say, Warforged is one that seems to be super popular because every time I went to go start a campaign and I would tell people, um, you can play anything of the released um, races and stuff in mm-hmm. this, I, I, I always got me- messages, oh, I can play an artifice or, or uh, uh, Warforged. Warforged. I'm like, well, okay, hold on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kaladesh. I Kaladish. Thank you. Yeah. That's
1: from magic. Somebody will get it. Kalash star. Kalash star.
0: Thank you. Cyberwolf. Cyberwolf. Yeah. Um, I, what's curious about this and Ravnica is it's not adventure league compatible. And I'm wondering if it will ever be because it's not forgotten realms compatible. So will I be able to play a Warforged in, an adventure league game? Uh, who, who knows? Not currently. Not currently yeah. I can't. Not so, currently. Uh, yeah. So but, that's
1: that's one thing to point out for sure. Yeah. None of this was Adventure League. So that was the other hiccup because, like you mentioned, the one hiccup was, wait a minute, where this is play testing and we have to buy it. So now yeah. we're paying you to play test your material. And number two was, wait a minute, this can't even be used in Adventure League. That's a lot of players only play Dungeons and Dragons with Adventure League. That's a big thing to put out when it doesn't even impact those people. Yeah. They can't use it. So that's another big issue there that I saw raised on Twitter. A lot of people going back and forth in the Twitter conversation about that.
0: But I think ultimately, you're buying. Uh, you're buying. If you're buying the PDF, you're buying the early access as well, and you kind of have to think about it like that. Like, yes, there isn't a physical book being made, and yes, they are. It is like more or less a paid playtest, but no one's forcing you to do this, obviously. And there's a lot of us out there, like me myself included, that is really uh, interested in Eberron, and so this is this is worth it, you know. And twenty dollars for a PDF is not that much uh and you're getting a uh, 175 pages worth of content like that's awesome and the majority of that content is lore that's not going to change it's just the the warforged might be tweaked a little bit here and there so
1: yeah the mechanics the revisions mm-hmm. you know maybe that kind of thing i agree To me, and now I'm not. I I wasn't an Eberron uh, fan. I don't. I would play in a campaign. I think I would have fun. Yeah, you would. You'd love running through a storyline, but it's not one I want to run. Like Uh. there's there's no. And you know me as the guy who wants to run every campaign at this point who <laughs> can't make his mind up <laughs> Eberron wasn't one that i thought oh i need to dive into this because it hasn't resonated in me from a storytelling standpoint yet i'm sure it could if you if you get involved in it enough and something can jump on you but that doesn't mean so maybe i bypass eberron that doesn't mean i think it's a bad idea because if they came out with greyhawk you got my twenty dollars in a second yeah because i yeah. love greyhawk I, it's where I started. I want Greyhawk really bad. You, you're going to throw a spell jammer out there at us. Give me, here's my $20. I'm going to play test it for you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not opposed to giving you money. So I have early access to cool mm-hmm. ideas because that's what you're getting. You're buying cool ideas that you can put in your campaigns, whether you run it straight from the book, letter for letter or not, that's what you're paying for. And that's what you're getting. And if I can get that earlier,
0: I'm all for it. I'll pay some money. Yeah. For it. So what else is happening with Adventure League cuz uh I somehow bypassed this it wasn't until we were talking before the show went live that I'm just like wait what are they doing to Adventure League but like the new season of Adventure League is coming out and it's season 8 season 8 um yeah, which we're... is awesome they've yeah. been doing uh, like and I I start thinking about it and I'm like yeah well D&D is like x amount of years old and every t- okay new book came out here new season things like that like wow we're at season 8 um But they're changing up Adventure League a little bit. So it's not going to use experience points anymore, which is huge, I think. Um, And I remember reading uh, a little article, and they were saying that they were actually getting fewer people go to Adventure League because they would do it like they'd be like level three. They do an entire campaign or an entire session of adventure league and get like 75 experience. And it just felt like, well, I'm never going to get to level four. If every time I show up, I get 75 experience. So now it's more of a you level up with the time you invest. So every hour that you play, you get points and you can use those points to then level up. Kind of like a combination experience points and milestone leveling is what it feels like. Which mm-hmm. is something in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Uh, they reference Xanathar's Guide to Everything a lot in this article that I've got open. Next yeah, they to me. wanted
1: to bring in a lot of the mechanics that got put out in that book mm-hmm. and get them into um, the Adventures League was the big thing. And the way I looked at it, there was a there was an interesting sentence there that I caught, and it talked about an hour of gameplay where you furthered the storyline or you furthered the adventure. They, they put a little thing in there that made it right. sound like you couldn't just be screwing around or off doing whatever, or just stalling.
0: Right. And that was going to get you. So all of some your weird... players show up and your DM is 45 minutes late. You don't count that first yeah. hour kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, so that
1: was the interesting thing that, so I think, and, and again, what they put out is right now you can go out to um, it's a, they've got the article out on the wizard's, um, website, which is dnd.wizards.com, which a lot of you will go to, or even you'll see it over on Unearthed Arcana, where they talk a little about, it. and they send you the link, which is the dnds adventureleague.org, I think is the... See, I didn't know about this, because I've just started playing Adventure League this year. I'd never gotten into it before, right. and really, I started playing it just because we were playing on an Anaris' channel, and because uh, Jordan's been talking about it a lot. He's been going, yeah. now he's starting to get close to being the GM for it, maybe, or whatever, and so now it's like, it's more in my my wheelhouse of oh i need to know more about this and i started looking at it more and it is a very interesting so season eight you can go find the pdfs for the gm the player and all the player pack stuff so they've got it started they haven't said these things are official yet so there might be some changes before they launch it is tying into season eight ties into the water deep heist yeah book and setting um, So we can probably expect that that happens sometime around September-ish mm-hmm. when we start to see this go live, probably. I haven't seen a go live date yet. And it did feel like they want to change how you get experience. Not only, I think it's a way to shift it from just killing monster experience. Yeah. Which is good because a lot of people, the, the hobby has changed recently. The hobby has turned at the moment to be a very story-focused, very rp positive place where they want people to get into their characters they want people to really interact and they want them to, to really play that out more than they want them just you know running from one encounter to another encounter to another encounter um and that's just kind of where the hobby's gone recently and that's that's okay you know it probably swings back and forth as it goes through the years and people there wasn't a good mechanic for we bypass something using good role play or good strategy or good story elements mm-hmm. because we didn't actually encounter or we didn't hit well, it, we didn't do anything with
0: and it. And so having read some of the adventures, a lot of them do have like da 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 here's your here's your fight. da 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 here's your fight. But there are some that do say like if your players diplomacized their way through this or persuaded their way through this, you still award the experience points. So, um yeah. this is probably a problem that wizards of the coast has seen and they're trying to rectify it and this is a better method of doing that like going forward we're gonna do this like every hour you play you kind of can progress your character so yeah
1: and um the other thing i saw well not only are they doing that but they're also doing it with treasure so there's a treasure change
0: Mm -hmm.
1: on you're starting to get treasure points and then you can spend those points on different things um, I think you're gonna see more downtime activities get introduced than we've ever had before. And then they also talked about you have the option to do slow progression. So if you want to slow your character down because you really want to get into, this could be something like where I could see this app like but when I read it the first time, it didn't click to me, but I just had this happen in my campaign because my barbarian just turned fifth level, but my party is still fourth level. Oh, And that puts you into the next tier. Um, and you have to kind of lock your character in. But it could have been nice to slow play a few more sessions before I made the, the decision. And so I could have slow played my character. So there's gonna be introducing eventually slow progression options to allow you to do wear the cloak or wear the, the, the cape or wear the the jacket of that character a little bit longer if you feel like you need to. If you're really just into I love playing this character, I don't want to advance them too quickly. Um, well
0: and then you can't play like if you i don't know how you and our narcissist doing A narcissist is doing this but uh if you're level five you can't play with levels one through four anymore so that right. could be another reason it's like well i don't want to like oh out level my friend so i'm going to slow down so that i can stay with my friend who missed maybe a couple sessions and then we can level up together so yeah that makes perfect sense was- to me
1: yeah, we played our episode um, this week, which we'll probably come up and talk about. And I was fifth level. They made fifth level in that episode. So there was only like a half of an episode yeah. that they were, there was a difference. But we, yeah. we got it. Yeah, and no, them. and but in, in the game,
0: uh, I'm currently run, or am in an adventure league is Forges of Fury from Tales of the Yawning Portal. And we had a level five because he said, I'll allow it. And that was just the DM's discretion. He's like, I'll allow it because this adventure is for three to five, for three to fifth level. So, uh, he, he was just like, if you have a fifth level character, you can bring it, but no higher than fifth. So this guy was just like, ah, sweet. I've got a fifth level paladin. I'm going to bring it out. This is going to be fantastic. So,
1: yeah. So they're also in that article, they talked about converting your current characters into the new style. So they're going to have a bunch of math that you can go through. So it's not like, because they're making all these big changes that everybody has to start from scratch. Mm Mm-hmm um it looks like they'll have a conversion method to figure out how your character will fit into that if you're playing one right now that you're really attached to and i am i like raki i didn't actually change him after all that three episodes of me hemming and hawing about i should change it to another thing or this because i can i just kept him the way he was he's a great character he's a you know he's a two sword swinging barbarian that just gets the work done you know it's just (laughs) so good And I just like it. I just like the way the character has developed, and I'm going to keep with it. Not that I don't want to play more characters, but I'm going to find places to play those characters and and play some more. But Yeah.
0: um, Yeah, no, I am super attached to my Adventure League Bard. Um, And I think that's just the nature of playing, because I don't get to play a lot. And you're probably the same way. You DM Mm -hmm. a lot more than you play. So when you actually are playing a character, you you get attached to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yep,
1: I get reminded.
0: (laughs) And speaking of playing. What's going on in your games, Mr.
1: Lucian? So what's going on? So we ended up having a playtest, a secondary play test Saturday, which is crazy to me because now that I say this, it felt like this happened three weeks ago. This is how much time, because there's been so much information, there's so much going on in this past week, it feels like it's been two weeks to me. <clears throat> but we played a game, and we went through the same encounter with pb plays inside who's writing an adventure that's oh, going to get put so up this on, is the
0: adventure uh, she's working on
1: yep so okay. she but she wanted to do one of the encounters she wanted to make sure it was tightened up and it was working and she's having trouble figuring out what the right level for the module is she wrote the story she has all the things in place and she has the things that she wants there but she's worried you know what what makes this an appropriate level for which characters so we're helping her out with that mm-hmm. So we played it with 7th-level characters the first time through, and the second time through we played it with 10th-level characters. Um, we had uh, Greybeard and uh, Indoor Adventurer played with me again. And this time we had a lot different group. Like if you remember from last week's show, we talked about the three-fighter group went in and, and fought this battle. It was interesting. This time around we had the Wizard, the Barbarian, and I believe we had the Monk, which was a very interesting addition. But it, it actually was really good because it countered this this boss who had this crazy crossbow that he was using on everybody and the monk can catch anything. So you you gotta be careful with that. Um, so the, the, it went pretty well. Again, we were able to beat the guy at 10th level. It wasn't too hard. Um, so she thinks now she's got it narrowed down to thinking that her adventure is going to be somewhere to be seven to nine is going to be the right spot. Whereas 10 makes it a little bit easy. Um, but maybe that's where she's, she's found it out and she wants to tweak a couple of things about making it fun. And what I loved about it was I got to play a desert-themed Yuan-Ti wizard, full-on conjuration wizard. And, man, did I fall in love with this conjuration wizard. There are some cool things you can do following this school. Mm -hmm. Um, And what was really cool was this idea of taking a desert mage, taking only spells that somehow reinforce deserts and heat, and sand, and winds. I you love know, no themed water, characters. You know, lightning, that kind of stuff, but it only themed, and it just worked out so well and played out so well that I loved it so much that I wanna play this. So whatever game I get invited into, again, there's coming the Conjuration Wizard. I love the abilities you got with the Conjuration School. If you guys haven't checked this out, um, <clears throat> at 10th level, your concentration can't be broken by damage. Um, so that's a really cool thing on your conjuration spell so mm-hmm. when you bring up your I brought up fire elemental or <clears throat> I was going to bring up um, I had polymorph at the time and I was only going to polymorph things into like desert creatures or like you know like Nile kind of creatures like big crocodiles or big scorpions or those kinds of things and really theme it that way and um, I just loved it there was so much story in it just for doing a play test which was just crazy yeah. so super fun I recommend doing that if you're writing those kinds of adventures and stuff. Play test your your encounters out. Have your friends come over, you know, have them whip up some characters to play through it, and you get to kind of see how some people may go through it. But also, we we did a big talk about just because you see how one party goes through it doesn't mean that's how every other party is going to go through it because every group is going to come up with some weird different way to do something. And when you're creating an adventure that you're going to publish, you're starting to think about how do I make this appealing to the widest group of possible players versus when I get to create an encounter as a DM right now, I'm just creating mm-hmm. it for the group I know they have. Right. And so I can tailor it to what they have. So that's a cool thing to just stretch your GM skills on. Um, so that was pretty fun. Um, then we played Tomb of annihilation, our adventure league on Tuesday. Uh, we were pushing our way through the forest, getting to our final objective. I was fifth level barbarian. I stayed on the zealot path. Um, Two weapon feet, long swords, and that is just a great combination because now at fifth level, I pick up the extra attack. So all of a sudden, I'm averaging somewhere around 35, 40 damage per turn that I can just roll out at something. And I think my hit points, I haven't been rolling good because I always roll my hit point hit dice instead of taking the average. Um, I haven't rolled good on a couple of them, so I'm not at the high level of where I should be for five level hit points, but I'm not too bad either. Mm. And so getting into Rage is pretty good, and that's fun. So that's a good, fun um, encounter. We had lots of random jungle encounters, and if you guys have not went and watched this show, make sure you catch the next time we run this, because at the very end of it, we heard the battle cry of the zombie T-Rex that's about to come in. Oh, nice. So we have no idea what's about to happen. We, We met up with some ghouls aghast, and some zombies. We fought through them. We beat them, and then, but that disrupted because somebody used Thunder Wave, Our favorite turtle turtle character used Thunder Wave again, and it alerted the nearby zombie Tyrannosaurus Rex. So yeah. that could be a problem for us.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. So that was
1: the the cool thing that we got to play. Um, and it is still pretty fun to play. Tomb of Annihilation at this point, even though it's a little bit further on, it makes me want to get my Storm King's Thunder campaign back on, on track and going, but I've got the West Marches. So I'm deep into prep for getting my West Marches game together. All of you did a really good job of sending me um, mega dungeons that I can put in place yeah, out in this world that I'm creating. So there's going to be several of those that people can stumble upon. And my idea is In the town, when you create your group, and I'm going to open this up to just about anybody that can fit the schedule. They want to come and play. I'm going to run the game if it fits the schedule and you're like first-come, 1st serve kind of thing. And in the town, there's going to be rumors. There's no adventure in town. You form your group. You go to the rumor board. And there's a bunch of them that say, oh, you know, uh, a group last week stumbled upon this cave entrance that looks like it might be a dungeon. Or, hey, there was this thing going on over here that looks like it's some abandoned village. Or, hey, somebody uncovered a temple and they saw it through the the, the, the trees, but they didn't go up to it. So you're going to have these rumors where you can go, okay, what, what do we want to do? It's going to be some stuff leads you to dungeon delving. Some stuff leads you to interacting with the other factions that are out there because there's a whole big civilization out there waiting for you to find out about and how they interact with each other. And they don't even know about you guys at all yet. Um, and so if you want that kind of political intrigue, if you just want overland travel and stuff, those things are all going to be out there. Oh, somebody saw a wyvern's nest up on a mountain cliff. Maybe they want wyvern eggs or they want certain stuff to make magic items. And that could be something they could go after. So whatever your group wants to do, there's going to be things that you can go do. And I'm just going to let them choose that way. I don't have to worry about Try and you choose what you want to do i'll have that style of game for you in this and i think it's gonna be fun i think it's gonna be i'm finding really cool travel mechanics that don't need to take up a lot of time so that we can get right into the meat of whatever it is we're gonna do for that session i'm thinking the sessions will last anywhere from three to four hours they'll be inclusive here's another big one that i'm thinking about no long rests until you get back to town that's big and it forces you back to town. Which yeah, is what I was about I to say if I you, need it because yeah, you yeah.
0: just then you're just getting exhaustion levels being out there in the fields. So yeah,
1: yeah. So some interesting mechanics. that I'm gonna play around and tweak with that um, because we, I've already have the things about rations and and food and weather affecting things and uh, equipment wear. We're gonna put a little bit of that stuff into it. So it's gonna be I think hopefully super fun for people to tackle. But I'm working on it. Won't be released probably till mid August once we get back from. The other thing I've been doing all week long is organizing Gen Con trip yeah. 2018. So that's the big thing. We're so both sure going to we'll be at Gen it. Con. It's
0: going to be loads of fun. So if you yeah. if you find either of us there, uh, I'll give Lucian a handful of Saturday morning D and D pins. But we're going to have um, some pins to give out. So if you find us at Gen Con, then come say hi. <laughs> oh yeah, and I had
1: I had this great plan. One last thing. Um, I thought, Hey, I want, I need a new mouse pad for my desk. And I went out to a place that builds mouse pads and I thought, Oh, look, they, I can make my own type of mouse pad. So I was like, why don't I put the Saturday morning D and D show logo right on it? And I was sitting there. I'm like, that'd be cool to have on my desk. And then I looked at it and I thought, Hmm, quantity number. how many <laughs> Do I want to buy? And I thought, wait a minute, I'm going to Gen Con. I'm going to buy like 10 of them and we'll just hand them out to people and we'll give them out to fans of the show and stuff. And it'd be really cool. I just got the message back that said, we can't make this um, mouse pad because we think you would be infringing on copyright. And I was like, no, it's my show.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that's I don't so think good. I'm going to
1: have them done in time. I think it is something I'm going to do eventually, get them created yeah. and then use them as mm-hmm. give outs, um, subscriber rewards when we hit certain thresholds on channels and stuff. And just as a way to, if, if fans come up and meet us somewhere of some of the other stuff I'm sure we'll be doing past gen con because i don't think gen con's the last thing we'll be doing no it's it's like the start of what we're going to be doing i really think so but with with the pens, jordan was able to get his pen so he'll be able to promise that which is super cool (laughs) i was hoping to promise mouse pads but it fell through at this point but eventually i'm thinking t-shirts and mouse pads book covers or bookmarks or just cool things for the saturday morning D&D show i think it'd be cool for you guys to have some of that
0: yeah it'd be really fun uh we can we can talk about this later but we can totally um Either yeah, we'll talk about later. But we'll figure yeah. something out. It'll be cool. We can make some t-shirts and stuff. Um yeah. if people are interested. So yeah.
1: So we'll talk more about Gen Con, but well let's let's jump into what did Jordan do in D all last week with all the craziness happening around us.
0: Um man, so my Sunday game was a lot of fun and they they're just exploring the ziggurat. They're doing X, Y, and Z. Um they fought some stuff, not a big deal. But what was exciting is I created a room that had a transmogrification machine in it. Um, And so when they walked in, I'm like, there's a a glass cylinder that comes down and then it's like four feet off the ground. You can totally like climb underneath it if you want. And so they did all this stuff. They were throwing like copper pieces on the inside to see what happens. And I was like, it looks like it needs a weight. And so they were like, all right. And then finally, um, And I don't know, uh, I should point out that my wife told me that I described it incorrectly because she thought it was some kind of like cave. And I was like, no, it was like a test tube that like, like a giant glass tube. But uh, I was probably a bad DM and poorly described stuff. (laughs) Um, But she ultimately was like, well, I'm going to go inside. So she goes inside and the tube starts lowering. And I like, you can make a dexterity saving throw to try and get out of this before it like locks you in. She rolled under 15. I said 15 was the DC. I think she rolled like an eight or nine. And so it went all the way down, filled with this green smoke. And then I have a die that has all of the races from the player's handbook on the die. And so it's a way for you to like roll randomly if you wanted to like, well, what do I randomly want to play? So I brought Mm -hmm. out that die and I said, you need to roll this. And the whole table went crazy. Like what? Like her race is going to change. So she rolled it and she went from a halfling to a dwarf. So the tube comes back up and she walks out and she's now a dwarf and was not happy about this. (laughs) Now, (laughs) Now, what's funny is I have five players and she was not happy about this kind of the guinea pig three other players were just like well i want to see what i would change into so i had three other players go willingly go into this device and change their race so the gnome went from a gnome to a dwarf and the human went from a human to a half-orc and then we had a homebrew race called mouse folk that um one of our players was an anthropomorphic mouse and she went in and came out as an elf um, the human monk was the only one who was just like, no, I'm not going to go in. Like, I like my humanness too much. And I was like, okay. So really funny to me because I thought this was going to be something where where one person changes by accident and everyone steers clear, but they loved it. They thought it was hilarious and they all went in. Uh, so now, um, the only one is the, uh, my wife who changed into a dwarf. She's trying to figure out a way of changing back. So we'll see where that goes. But <laughs> there were no monsters in the room. There was no combat. There was just like a weird puzzle. Not even a puzzle, but just a weird thing that I decided to put into a room. And it made for probably like an hour of of just like laughing gameplay. Like we just had a lot of fun um, yeah. figuring out everyone's new stats. And we had to like, you know, you're no longer... Um, a gnome so you lose like intelligence but because you're a dwarf you gain constitution so we had to change everybody's stats and stuff with their their player sheets. It was a lot yeah, of fun. That sounds
1: super fun. It's, I, I kind of want to do something that's slightly similar where somebody walks in or interacts with an object like that but it swaps the player's bodies so it doesn't body swap just for and maybe it's something that lasts for a day or maybe it lasts but all of a sudden you've got each of you hand your character sheet to the other person you're like this is the body you're in now this is the body you're in now and Mm -hmm. you've got to play that way for a little bit just to just to have some fun especially like if they get into another fighting encounter all of a sudden somebody has to play something they don't have any idea what they're doing and just stumble through it and i was thinking even you know, put in a little timer to make sure they have to make decisions quickly because you want them to really be fumbling around. You want that feel of, oh, my God, I'm not normally a fighter. I don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. and just let that play out. So I think it would be pretty fun. But, yeah, I would be super careful because if I could – talk my wife into playing which is very rarely the last <laughs> thing i'm gonna do is change anything on her character because i can barely get her to play <laughs> down, let alone change something important to her so i'm surprised she let you get get away with that
0: <laughs> well she she's not happy about it um uh but there is there is the i did say well i i told her like in com in personally i was just like if you really don't like it there's probably some kind of magic out there that can change you back you just have to be you just have to figure it out you know um, hmm. But the rest of them really like their new races, and I think they're going to keep them. So
1: well, they're tenth level. Do they have a wizard? Somebody get polymorph. Nope, nobody has like
0: wizard. That. But I did say oh. there's you know you could there's a wizard tower in the nearby town that they could probably go pay for polymorph. It's not going to be cheap, but they could polymorph yeah. there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and then the lore of all of this is uh, the Ziggurat's been pulling in slaves. There's been murals that they've seen on the walls of of this. Uh, uh, King Necros is the guy who is the head honcho of this ziggurat back in the day. And he opened up portals to strange worlds and he pulled in creatures like humans and orcs and gnomes and stuff. And so the lore of this room, they were like, well, why would they have a room that does this? And so they kind of figured it out by by looking around and investigating and finding a journal that they were taking the weaker races physically weaker races like halflings and gnomes and trying to transmogrify them into like humans and half orcs so they make better slaves. Um, and so it's been kind of fun for them to explore. And a lot of that lore I'm kind of just coming up with as we go. And that that specifically, like originally I put that room in because I thought it was a funny room. And then I was like, actually, it kind of works with that. So it's mm-hmm. another DM moment where everything just kind of falls into place and you just go with it. You know, you say yes yeah. to the situation and and they're just like, oh, wow. Did you plan that? And I'm like, yeah. And they'll remember
1: that story. They'll remember that story more than the four or five encounters that you've created oh, for exactly. them. Exactly.
0: You yeah. know, that that'll
1: be a story that they'll be like, Do you remember when I got turned into an elf or yeah. Um, yeah, whatever? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then my Hot Springs Island game, um, they are running around. Uh they befriended the Night Axe ogres and they decided to go to an area that they thought had, um, they knew that the Night Axe Ogres are mining this red crystal, and they were curious about this red crystal, so they went back to what they thought was a dig site for the red crystal, but it turned out to be the old slave pen for the Night Axe Ogres, and there was some fire imps, and there were some salamanders in there, and they ended up killing those really easily, and then they turn around and found a whistle on one of the salamanders, and then and I was like, and they were like, is it magical? And they rolled some arcana. And I'm like, yeah, it's got like a magical hue to it. You're not sure what it does. And they're like, well, can we attune to it? And I'm like, mm, you can attune to it, but like, you're going to have to blow it to see what it does. And instantly the sorcerer just said, well, I rip it out of his hand and I, and I blow the whistle. And I'm like, do you stop him? And they're like, no, I guess not. Well, the whistle does a six inch bout of flame outside of the whistle, but it also makes this huge noise that attracts fire imps from like 10 mile radius. So they had, I rolled 2d6 to see how many fire imps show up. 10 fire imps come out of nowhere and, and attack my players. Um, They barely survived, uh, which I was really surprised about. But again, like I, 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 as a dungeon master, I'm always hesitant to put my players in situations where I know they're going to fail, and mm-hmm. this was a situation where I'm like they're going to fail, and they didn't so I have to remind myself as a dungeon master that like your players are a little more robust and stronger and clever than you're anticipating them to be, and they can they can get they can figure out a situation and they can they know when to run and they know when to do this, but they they killed all the fire imps it was really awesome, yeah. Uh, and so after that, they learned, you know, don't trust every magic item that Jordan throws at them. The cool thing about hot springs Island is there's 300 plus magic items and you roll randomly. And some of them are really broken and really powerful. And some of them are cursed. And some of them are like this, where they just do random things that you think about it. And you're like, well, that helps the fire salamanders, but that doesn't necessarily help, uh, my players, you know, to have a whistle. it's, it's It's
1: like if they get fire resistance at some point that becomes a powerful thing for them to use in a bind if they have the counter to it, but whatever they're fighting doesn't. Right. So if they go against those, like you said, those orcs, all of a sudden they blow that in the middle of camp, that's going to be a cool thing to do. So having an item that seems dangerous isn't necessarily something you want to throw away. Because you might come up with a way that there's a situation where it will become useful yeah. and you just never know. So, And if there's one thing that we all know characters are, they're pack rats and hoarders. So <laughs> they love keeping and holding on to everything. Sometimes I give out items and things that they could use and they never use them because they're always like, no, I just want to save it. For just the right moment, and we're like, yeah, but yeah. you're level ten now, and you've never even used the yeah. thing, and you can use it whenever you want. Like you just, some of them are just like, no, oh, no, I want to, I want to cherish it. I don't want
0: to use it yet. It's like <laughs> inspiration too. You hand out inspiration, yeah. and they're just like, well, I want to use it when I really need it. And I'm like, now's the time that you really need it. Like you might want to consider using that because you can't hold more than one point of inspiration.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Another interesting thing about Hot Springs Island is like if they had befriended the fire imps and the salamanders and went against the night axe ogres, which they totally could have, this whistle would have been invaluable. Like they could have just called for reinforcements whenever they needed reinforcements. So really... I don't know just I really like hot springs island the more I'm running it the more I find it really interesting um and the more I wish I was running it as a dungeon crawl classics game because I really wanted to start my new rpg experience with dungeon crawl classics but mm-hmm. luckily I'm doing that today um I'm not playing D tomorrow because it's my friend's birthday we're gonna go hang out and watch mission impossible fallout um oh, yes. which really excited for but uh so I said, well, if we're not going to play D&D tomorrow, I wonder if I can grab everybody and play Dungeon Crawl Classics today. So uh, that's what's happening. So in like just a couple hours after the show ends, um, friends are going to come over to have some beers. And we're going to run the gauntlet of the, the zero level funnel where everybody comes with four characters prepared. And then by the end of the campaign, whatever character is left is the one that that levels up to level one. So everyone's going to be a bunch of zero level peasants and we're, I'm really looking forward to it just to, as a dungeon master to kill a bunch of people is going to be a lot of fun. And the sailors on the starless sea is what I'm running. And it's just a really fun campaign for dungeon crawl classics. So, um, yeah,
1: that's, that's the big catchword funnels for yeah. the OSR movement and Renaissance. And, um, those are always a good way to start out, but I think it's cool because it is a very, I don't know, it's like an Indiana Jones ish. It's a, um, you're going through like a, a, a fun house of danger and, you know, all kinds yeah. of stuff is just happening and it's all action packed and fast. And people are just, I just love the whole idea of yeah. that. And zero level characters, the idea that you get to see your character before your first level. Cause a lot yep. of times when you're building even DD 5e characters, they have some amazing abilities that do not make them like normal people in my eyes, you are not anything like a farmer as a first level wizard or fighter Mm -hmm. or whatever, but how'd we get there? You know, and you're, you compared to a fifth or a 10th is even, there's even bigger gap there, but how'd you go from being zero level to one is sometimes just as interesting as any of the other stuff. And yeah,
0: Know how many how many characters are like this is my I'm a level one character and this is my father's sword and it's a plus one sword and da 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 and I got this through whatever else he died doing something else. This way you can literally play the adventure and it's like this is how I got the you know I because they start out with weapons like like a a pitchfork or they have yeah. like um a, a spade that they use because they're bricklayers and they're using it as a dagger. Like th- these are the kind of weapons that your zero level peasants have. Uh, it's really fun. So by the end of that adventure, you're like, this is how I got this magic sword. This is how I got this armor. Like you really get to create your backstory and you get attached to these characters because they've been through so much and they survived. Um, dungeon crawl classics. I'm really excited. I'm so, so excited for this because that, I just love that game and I love the random crit tables and the fumble tables. It's going to be a lot of fun. So. And
1: Graham and Chad is asking my question from last week. Is it going to be streamed?
0: It's not going to be streamed. Sorry. Uh, I don't stream any of my games because uh, this is at the table. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, that's just the way it is. So you have to wait for my recaps on the Saturday morning D&D show. So <laughs> sorry, Graham.
1: You'll see plenty of streaming games on my channel though. Jordan plays in them. Every now and then we get him to run one. Um, We'll see a lot more of that. Gen Con's going to happen. That's going to reinvigorate us. That's going to kick off the creative flows. We're going to network with a lot more people we're, we're doing meetups with other content creators and such, and you're going to see a lot more on the channel. So don't worry if you think oh, I'm not gonna be able to see that one streamed." Yeah, there'll be plenty of content that you're going to see stream. And maybe I'll channels.
0: stream dungeon crawl classics for Lucian's channel at some point in the future, because yeah, that could be, be a it. lot of fun. Um, And I know you guys would get a kick out of playing this campaign or this uh, RPG as well. So that'd be
1: fun. Well, and I've wanted to try producing the show versus being the GM and the producer of a, of a stream show to where somebody's doing all the camera changes and the, the overlay changes, but that's not the DM. So they don't have to worry about keeping the story going forward. They don't have to worry about all the other things. And I think that could be a really fun way. And there's a lot of people that do that. It, It me JP does that with a lot of his shows um adam will do that sometimes with his shows when he hosts other people that are gm for him and i think it makes for a really nice experience to have somebody controlling when the person's talking you can see their character sheet and then something else happens and it flips over to that and and those kinds of things but it does require a lot of attention to do some of that stuff so eventually i'd like to try one of those shows out and i'm sure sure we can get jordan to be our dm while in one of those so, and more games. We're not, we love D and D this is Saturday morning D D show. We're playing lots of fifth edition. We're into the new stuff. But you're going to see other games from us, too. You're going to see some of the other things. I think all um, RPG
0: lovers branch out eventually. And that's what's happening yeah. to me. Like, I love I love Dungeons & Dragons, but I all of a sudden was like, man, this DCC stuff is really cool. And I've got this mothership sci-fi RPG that I want to play, too. Like, there's lots yeah. of cool stuff out there. And I'm going to go to Gen Con next weekend and probably find 10 more RPGs that I want to run. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. now is this your first time? Let's talk a little bit about Gen Con. Now, how many times have you gone before? I've
0: never gone. This will be a first so time. this is yeah, this is great.
1: So but you have gone to you just went to Emerald City Con.
0: What was so the one you went to? Last weekend. Was it last weekend? Yeah. I went to yeah, right Gem Gem City Gaming Convention or Gem State Gaming Convention, which was one located here in my um in Idaho where I where I'm from. Um, and that one was fun. I went and played a couple of like Kickstarter games and tried to get into a and D table, but they were full. Um, but it was it was small ish, um, and this is Gen Con is going to be like ridiculously huge compared to that. Um, and I'm most excited for like Gen Con panels, like they have a lot of like how to stream, how to do all, uh, how to keep your RPGs interesting for an audience that I'm really curious about. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I don't know, it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, so it's it's really cool. We're going to try. Crossing my fingers, I'm going to do my testing today um, with doing some streaming from my phone. Yeah. Um, to see if we can do it. So, possibly. for the
0: Saturday morning DD show. So, yeah. next Saturday, we're yeah. going to be at Gen Con so that we, we won't yeah. actually have a show. But um, if you guys show up, which is going to be, I mean, that's awesome if you do, we're going to probably do 15, 20 minutes of us um, streaming from Lucian's phone to Twitch. And we'll probably just give some highlights of Gen Con and what we're doing and what, how much fun we're having and things like that. So so yeah, tune yeah. in next week because it'll be yeah, us. If we can get it to work. Yeah, <laughs> if we can get it to work. So watch our Twitters because yeah. maybe we can't get it to work. So
1: yeah, you know, I, I don't know about the bandwidth there. There's gonna be so many people with their stuff going on, but I have seen people live stream from lots of places like that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can we can make that happen. Um, and that'll be pretty fun. I think we'll have our show after that will be jam-packed of our experiences. I'm sure you'll be seeing our Twitters filled with pictures and things that are, that we're seeing and impressing upon us or people we meet up with. Um, We're just going to have a ton of it. So keep an eye out all week long. So uh, we're heading down on Wednesday morning, me and Graybeard are heading down to to secure the hotel, be ready to go. Jordan's coming in on Thursday, which is cool. And so you're going to see a lot from us during those times. We're probably going to be playing in the hotel. We're going to try to do meetups. We're going to try to do, um, where i'm playing and hosting games if you're gonna be there and you want to get in the games you can look them up i'll i'll post my gming schedule i don't see any reason why i shouldn't i shouldn't that shouldn't be an unsafe thing to do i don't think.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Right?
1: Uh, yeah i don't <laughs> my know exact schedule wherever i'm at at all times uh i'll think about it maybe i'll be posting <laughs> out where i'm gonna be you know, sending a game just in case people want to get in because I'm sure there's some spots. I'm running a Dungeon World, four different games of Dungeon World. And then I'm running um, two demos of Numenera and Predation. And then I'm also running one game of Numenera. And then we're playing in some stuff and we're going to panels and we're doing those kinds of things and meetups. So it's going to be action-packed. There's so much to it. I'm super excited. My third year, I feel like I'm starting to get my legs under me to know what's going on i remember my first year wandering around i didn't tell anybody i was going i just was going to show up and be there and it was still a cool experience but the more you know and the more like oh i want to do this and this and this the better and better that convention gets because the more you're like oh my god i felt like i didn't see everything that first time and then the second time i went to the things and i was like okay better third time better um so that's been pretty good so come say hi if you haven't if you see us you'll We'll be wandering around Well, I'll be wearing D and shirts t-shirts. It'll be easy for you to find me. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll be doing lots of cool stuff.
0: Yeah. So that'll be next week. We're really excited. Um, as for this week, we're over time. So we should probably cancel or, or, uh, close out cancel. the show. No. Can't no, no, not cancel close out <laughs> the show. Um, thank you guys so much for coming out and listening to us, uh, watching us, uh, live on Twitch on Saturday mornings. That's really awesome. um, podcast podcast is available if you search uh, saturday morning DD show on google you'll find us on podcasts we're on all the major things um so you can listen to us in your car or uh just on your phone while you're jogging that's what i like to do with my dnd podcasts. um yeah it's really awesome so we will see you guys next week with a very special episode of the saturday morning DD show live from gen con uh until then anything else That's it. That's it. We'll see you guys later. Bye, everybody. Take care. Our intro and outro music is 8-bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.